Welcome to the Quantum Biology Collective podcast, where we break down the practical strategies of this emerging science, starting with healthy light habits and going wherever the quantum superhighway takes us. This is your host, Meredith Oak, QBC co-founder and executive coach with a friendly reminder, podcasts are conversations, not consultations. So if you're looking for a practitioner, check out our directory at www.quantumbiologycollective.org. Tim Laird is a strength and conditioning coach who has trained thousands of people over his career, from professional athletes to regular folks with a range of abilities and challenges. Jim's extensive experience and perspective as a quantum health trainer has led him to create an approach that focuses on adaptability over intensity and balance over burnout. In this conversation, we talk about how to incorporate fitness after autoimmune issues, what HRV really measures, and why stillness is just as important as movement. This is a great follow-up to last week's conversation on chronic fatigue with Carrie Bennett. Enjoy. Hello, welcome to the Quantum Biology Collective Podcast. We are here with Jim Laird, strength and conditioning coach extraordinaire. Jim, if you had to guess, how many people would you say you've trained in your life? Oh, good Lord, that's a lot. I mean... Almost four years of Division One level, seeing hundreds and hundreds of athletes a day. That alone is is um, oh, it's got to be in the thousands. I mean, it's you know because the model I went to after around two thousand nine was a group training model, um, and so I was training like eight to ten people an hour, you know, four to six mm-hmm. times a day, plus you know multiple high school teams, multiple wrestling teams, soccer teams swim teams uh i mean yeah it's a it's a it's a couple it's a couple (laughs) more than five more than five i've seen i mean i've seen every autoimmune disease you can imagine every orthopedic injury i mean there's i mean i've seen quite a few things well and that's what i i find well there's a lot of interesting things about your approach but one of the things (laughs) that i think is really interesting is that you train both sort of high level competitive athletes, but you also train, say, normies, normies, (laughs) like normies, but not even just normies, like normies who have perhaps like a hard time approaching exercise due Mm -hmm. to autoimmune or fatigue issues or adrenal, adrenal issues or chronic fatigue, you know, things like that. Let's just call it life issues. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Cause I, I, for years would, recognize the importance of exercise but i would always have to like try and explain if i was training with anyone Mm -hmm. that i i'm not actually lazy i i do i just have to be really careful especially with cardio because it will like and they would always it will flatten me if i do it the wrong way like i and they would always kind of look at me like okay nice excuse nice excuse lady you're a sissy you're lazy (laughs) you're unmotivated you need to be yelled at louder you need louder music that's what you need yeah, exactly. So yeah. just explain sort of your your perspective on that, which was very refreshing to me. You were the first trainer I encountered who was like, well, we you really absolutely only, need to be careful. We have a finite amount of energy. And of course, we can we can reach and overreach into emergency strategies to survive in certain situations. But mm-hmm. um, what happens outside of the gym has a bigger impact on what happens inside the gym than what actually happens inside the gym. 
So your body's ability to adapt to the stress that you're putting on it is going to be totally based on your lifestyle, right? How much you sleep, like your body, the number one priority of your body is to keep your brain, your heart and your lungs working, right? right. That's it. That's, that's where the majority of this, this core amount of energy. And then the rest is kind of basically shuttled wherever the body basically sees the biggest need for priority. So if you're like killing yourself with training, it's going to take away from digestive function, especially if you can't get out of the like go hard, like high level, like high uh, nervous system stress zone. Um, uh, I don't like using the technical terms because people get, get confused, like the parasympathetic versus sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but if you can't get out of that run from a bear strategy, if you can't turn that off and you take that with you when you leave the gym, you're just using resources up that would be used to basically recover from your training. So a lot of people will have this busy lifestyle, um, you know, their sleep sucks, they work a lot, and then they go to the gym and they do really hard training and they don't have the resources to recover from it. And they kind of okay. just dig this hole deeper and deeper. And then they start doing energy drinks and then they have, you know, they go to a class or everyone's yelling at them and they just keep digging this hole deeper and deeper and deeper. They don't understand they're stealing resources from their body's ability to recover because your training is only as good as your body's ability to adapt to it, Right. And there are certain people, you know, like guys like Dennis Rodman, guys like, uh, you know, um, Keith Richards, people like that, that can abuse themselves and still perform at a high level. But those people are few and far between. You don't, you don't want to, you don't like a Goggins, you know, like you don't want to, you don't want to like live your life based on an outlier, right? Like, you know, how many people want to run with broken tibias and broken feet? Like, I don't think so. It's not for me. Right. So this is really interesting to me because I think that there's a very strongly held belief out there, and certainly mm-hmm. I held it, that um, intense exercise is going to somehow make everything better. It can. It can if you have the capacity to recover from it and if you have the work capacity to handle the intensity. If you have a really horrible aerobic fitness space and you start doing high intensity intervals, you might see some improvement at first, but eventually you're going to fall through because the aerobic base is what allows you to do and recover from the high intensity work. So, and that's the number one thing about today is we don't walk enough, you know, we're not walking, we're not doing manual labor, you know, kids don't play outside anymore. And then they go to practices that are highly coached and, and have high intensity. They don't get that low level activity to build that aerobic base. So they have a low resting heart rate. And I've seen 12 year old kids with a hundred resting heart rate, you know, and they're like, I don't understand why my kid like gets gassed. And I'm like, because they're they're they don't have an aerobic base. We start doing some really low level conditioning. We start talking about sleep. We start talking about food. You know, we start talking about self care with these kids and getting them outside and getting them doing some walking and some easy stuff. And all of a sudden, their aerobic base comes up. Their body's ability to handle stress goes up, and their fitness goes up. You know, most people they see somebody's like gassed. They want to do more intervals, and most of the time that that has the opposite effect. So what I hear you saying is that our life outside of the gym or outside of wherever we do mm-hmm. a high intensity training um, matters just as much as the training itself. And in fact, I, I would say probably more defines what type of training we should be doing and what type of training we can handle. Yeah. Well, it depends on what adaptations you're trying to drive. Right. Um, but your ability to recover from um, the stress of high exertion is based on your ability to recover from it. Right. And so you can do survival things um, and have exceptional performance, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to recover from that over the long run. Right. 
So if you're constantly having to push yourself further than you're, than you're, you're able on a consistent basis and you don't have the resources to recover from that exertion, eventually you're going to get yourself in trouble. That's where people end up. They can't get out of bed. The coffee quits working, you know, just, you know, let's look at, look at you. Like, what did I talk to you about the first time we started talking? What did we we do? You don't remember? No. (laughs) Well, I I realize that you're a highly successful, hard charging, successful woman who's (laughs) doing a lot of work. Right. Yeah. And, I pulled uh, out. Yeah, you told yeah. me to chill out. <laughs> I told you to chill. It out. was the restorative time revolution for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, but but yeah. then you, I don't think you realized, and I know we're going to get into HRV and 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 measurement tools and that, but I don't think people realize like how much stress they're actually under until you start yeah. looking at data, right? And yeah. on the aura ring there, and we like I like the aura ring because you can wear an airplane mode and it has a very minimal EMF kind of deal. Um. But for people like us, and I put myself in this category, that if you give us an axe, we're going to cut every tree down in the forest. (laughs) We have a hard time being self-aware. And what did I do? You go to the aura ring data on the first page, you click on uh, heart rate, and there pulls up a page that says restorative time. And it tells you how much time you spend in a day in a relaxed state. And I think we scrolled back for several months and you didn't have one minute of restorative time. Right? It's possible. Am I am I embarrassing? Am I embarrassing? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I think this is. I think this is a very useful lesson. So, for so many working people. harder for I you. I bring this up all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like working harder for you was not the answer. Right. It was. It was. You know, doing some things that allow you to put energy back into the system to restore the system, so you can handle stress. You yeah. were emptying your. You were emptying all your resources into your everyday life, and you didn't have anything left for training. Yes, that is correct. Like, and also, I would say what's interesting about, you know, from a, a chronic fatigue or an autoimmune recovery is that there had been so many years where I felt really held back mm-hmm. by the fatigue yeah. that once I I started to understand about light and I started to understand how to get good sleep and I started to, you know, do the things that gave me back some energy, mm-hmm. I just went and used it all up as <laughs> And that happens as fast as I could because I was so excited. We get these people, they've got, you know, they've got PCOS, they've got whatever autoimmune disease it is or chronic fatigue, you know, name your Lyme disease, name your, name your, pick your poison. Um, You know, the bathtub is overflowed. We empty Mm -hmm. the bathtub halfway and we fix all the the tiles on the floor and replace the carpet and the bathtub is half empty and they just turn the faucet back on full speed again. It's just so hard when even you, especially if you've been driving yourself hard for a long time um, and you're able to just fake it till you make it. Um, when you finally crash and burn, as soon as you start feeling better again, you just go out and, and you, you, you step on the gas pedal again. It's very hard yeah. for people to learn the right amount of, of stress and stimulus, um, you know, um, without getting themselves back into the hole they dug for themselves. Right. Yes. And I, I think that that's a really important piece because I um, resisted getting the aura ring because I was like, well, it's going to tell me about my sleep. And I'm like, I already know my sleep is good. I've spent years <sighs> figuring it out and I know it's good and it's good. And then I was like, and then it's just going to tell me to exercise more. And I don't, I don't want a, some gadget telling me that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you convinced me to just get this freaking thing. So I get the gadget. And what does it tell me? It says, you didn't rest enough today to be productive tomorrow. 
And yeah, and it keeps sending me reminders for restorative time and maybe chill out. <laughs> and I don't want to give your, the impression your body that, doesn't your body doesn't yeah. know the difference between you running in your head and running for real. People See, don't understand that. That is the key thing because I do did still have to manage my activities to my energy level. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't want to give the impression my life was like some crazy chaos machine. Like I was having a pretty good time. I was, I love my life. I love, but and your life was yet, and yet there was, yeah, there was this underground engine in overdrive almost all the time. And I just didn't even really notice. You, could, you couldn't shut it off. And a lot of people get yeah. stuck in that mode. And that's the only way they know how to function. So they have to get themselves into that mode with nicotine, caffeine, yeah. risky behavior. Not saying you did any risky behavior, Meredith, but um, people, not this decade. Food, food, not at this second. Okay, good. That's a different kind of show. Um, <laughs> you know, different types of food to get themselves spun up. You know, a lot of times yeah. sugary foods. And, and a lot of times people will do things to try and get themselves in that state so they can perform well. And a right. lot of people, and a lot of people, they get stuck in that mode and they just can't, they can't turn it off because that's the only way they know how to function. Yeah. And that could be and, your relationships too, drama. Like you have to have drama mm -hmm. or else you don't feel comfortable. So people will create yeah. drama, you know, so they can. Yeah. Function. Cause their, their default, their homeostasis is to have some kind of chaos somewhere, somewhere Correct. in their life. So yeah. if there's no chaos, it something feels off. And so we need to go deep down and reset our thermostats to where oh, like feeling mm -hmm. calm is okay. Yeah. Well, the majority of the people that I've dealt with in the last, you know, 25, almost 30 years now are people that needed to learn how to manage themselves better and, and yeah. to choose, make better choices. I mean, I've had a few people that have just completely let themselves go, but even those people, the reason they didn't have six get, they would get even more discouraged because they start working out and then they weren't sleeping. They weren't taking care of their body and their body. They started with too much intensity and they didn't start where they were. So the mm -hmm. person that's lazy that hasn't done anything, they have to start where they're at. And that might be simple, you know, getting outside three times a day and just sitting on the porch. I mean, that might be what needs to get going in the right direction, but they, right. they usually either do, you know, they'll start off and then they, they just will not change enough habits to get them out of where they are. Um, and usually, you know, a lot of it has to do with screens and and usually their, their circadian rhythm is wrecked and then they're addicted to processed food. So getting habit changes with that. And it doesn't take much. Like if you've been sedentary, you could walk for five minutes, you know, ride a bike five minutes, three times a day, get your light environment, right. Add a protein at every meal and you'll see a dramatic improvement. Then what do you do after that? You know, what do you, how do you do it step by step? But most of the people I've dealt with were, you know, highly successful CEOs. All of a sudden, one day they can't get out of bed. You know, yeah. um, athletes that keep injuring themselves because they don't know they don't know when to stop. Um, you know, we, we we've had a couple of big CEOs here recently. They're on everything but the kitchen sink, peptides, hormones, you, you name it. They're on every supplement in the book, mm -hmm. and they're just not getting results because they're just they're just. Then we back the supplements down. We take them off everything. We get them taking care of themselves. And then guess what? We add some of those things back in and all of a sudden they start to work because they actually, right. the body has the resources. It has the ability to actually adapt and actually use some of those things. Whereas before they were driving their car so hard, they just took the testosterone or they took the peptides just to keep them going. And then eventually the body's like, I just can't do this anymore. We're going to shut you down. Right. And, that, and that's essentially autoimmune diseases too. Like, 
a lot of times these things are warning shots like, hey, you've got to get your self-care in order. Like something's not right here. You've got to you've got to fix your environment. You've got to you know, you got to manage your stress better. Like these are mm-hmm. warning shots like your body's saying warning, warning. You know, if you're tired, like you know, we did a thyroid course um, that we're actually going to be releasing again at the end of this month. And, you know, we had like 60 people in it. Not one of them had bad thyroid. <laughs> <laughs> They just went to the doctor because they told the doctor they were tired and the doctor just threw them on thyroid, you know, and then we looked at their, their, their diets and their mineral statuses and then their, their, their lifestyle. And they're just like, no wonder you're tired. Like you're not getting the micronutrients you need. You're not getting the, you're not getting outside. Like you need to get outside, you know, um, you highly stressed job. You're a mom, you're a mom of five kids and you know, you're trying to work too. And it's just like, you know, most yeah. of the people need, you know, get outside, better nutrition, uh, better self-care. And then all of a sudden, whoa, look, I'll look out. I don't need that thyroid anymore. Right. And then what happens is you don't change the lifestyle and they have to opt the thyroid doors for it. Or like metformin. Metformin is a wonderful drug. Very good. A lot of people use it for longevity. Give it to type 2 diabetics. It improves their life expectancy. It's an amazing drug. The problem is, is the type two diabetic, instead of changing their lifestyle, they continue with the same lifestyle and then they have to keep upping the dose of the metformin. Right. Right. So, you know, like that's, that's kind of the same deal with this is people aren't willing to change their lifestyles to give their bodies the capacity to recover from the training that they're doing. Right. And that's really sort of what I love about this, like the quantum health approach, right? It's, is that it's not about harder, faster, more stronger. It's, it's about sort of coming into balance. Yeah. Well, it's about the way like, nature it, intended. Yeah. Right? Well, if like, like I'm working on a car, right. If I'm working on a car engine and I'm working on the manifold, right. And I've got a wrench and I'm pulling on the bolt and I can't like get the bolt to break. I'm not just going to keep pulling on. I'm going to go get some WD 40. I'm going to spray it on the bolt and then I'm going to put extension on that. And then I'm going to break the bolt. Right. I'm not just going to sit there and pull on it for like hours. Right. It's, it's common sense. Um, so we're looking for low hanging fruit. Like how can we get the best results with the least amount of work? Right. Instead of just yeah. thinking, well, it's, it's gotta be more work. It's gotta be more effort. That's the key. Like there has to be more effort. Right. Yes. We didn't, we didn't try hard enough, but no, a lot of times it's all these little things that add up to big things. Right. And then if you have to exert effort, you have the capacity and the resources to do it and recover from it. Right. I'm not against hard work. I love it. It's just that one, are you prepared for it? Two, can you recover from it? And if it's right. an emergency, by all means, like if somebody's chasing you with a knife or a machete or whatever, <laughs> you do whatever it takes to get away from them, but you don't want to do that to yourself on a regular basis. Right. Right. So, so, so there's two things. One, we don't have infinite energy no. Two, our lifestyles by doing things like looking at our phone at night, sitting in front of a laptop till the working mm-hmm. into the night, not getting, enough, not getting enough sunshine, not getting outside enough. Those things are actually actively reducing the energy that we have available. So we're operating on this idea that we should have infinite energy while also engaged in habits that are actively right. making and, our and bodies unable to produce the energy in the first right. place. And guess what's going to happen when you reduce that energy and then you add more stress, your body is going to take, it's not going to take energy away from your brain. It's not going to take energy away from your heart. It's going to take energy away from your digestion, sex drive, all the fun stuff, right? Right. Um, so all the fun things are going to go away. 
And then you'll start taking things to you so you can keep doing the fun things, right? Right. And, then, and eventually the fun things won't work anymore, you know? So And then if you stay in that period long enough, it you do eventually get the heart and the brain and the like the Alzheimer's. Well, yeah, then things thing. start, then the wheels start coming off the car and like you, you know, like you, you push, you know, you poke the bear long enough, it's gonna hit you in the head, right? So yeah. I mean the body, and I went through this too. Like I would go through phases where I was exhausted, I'd push myself. You know, and, and and I wouldn't I wouldn't listen, and and then eventually I got autoimmune disease, right? And it's the same thing. Like you're tired. Well, I'm I'm really tired. I'm I'm just gonna you know. And then you can still go to the gym. You just need to do your workout. Might be do a little bit. Like this is like a giant pile. John Wellborn talks about this. It's a giant pile of dirt, right? Yeah. You know, you need to move the giant pile of dirt. Some days you can do a couple shovels, you know, shovel of dirt. Some days you use a teaspoon. It's still dirt. You're still moving dirt. So it's not about like, it's just knowing what your body needs as opposed to you imposing your will on your body. And there are times when you have to push your body beyond what it's capable, but those times are few and far between. And the better you treat your body in the meantime, and the, the better you introduce low level stressors to your body and then throw a little intensity in there from time to time, the better you'll be able to handle that big time stressor when it comes, right? It's the, you know, all the minor stuff every day is what prepare. It's like kids in play, right? Kids playing outside, riding bikes, doing all these things is what prepares them for the higher stress sporting events later on down the road. It's like a gymnast, right? They walk on their hands, they climb ropes. That's like 80% of their training is all the work to prepare their joints and their tissues for the high impact of tumbling. They don't just tumble or they wouldn't have any gymnasts. They'd be all broken. Like football players too. You practice the NFL, it's, you know, that most of it's no contact. Most of it is, you know, going through different drills. Um, if they played football to get better at football, there wouldn't be any players left. And so all these things you do in your life, the sun, the, the low level activity, the daily movement stuff, that's like practice for the big event, which is high stress, right? right. Which could be training or, you know, whatever happens in your life. And, you know, it's just that, most people don't want to do the everyday things that make them healthy so they can handle stress. A lot of people will, will only be like, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to push harder and, yeah. and do that. Work. And, and, and eventually if you don't do any of the low level stuff, eventually you can get away with it when you're younger, but eventually you're going to run into trouble. Yeah. You're going to hit that wall. So where does, let's, let's then talk about HRV. Where, where mm -hmm. does HRV fit into this and how is it, um, a useful metric for people to understand. Okay. If you want to really dive deep into HRV, you need to go check out my friend, Joel Jameson. He has a website called eight weeks out. He is the hands down authority on HRV in the United States, I believe. And uh, also the different types of conditioning. Uh, Joel's been working with MMA athletes for a long time. He was one of the first people to bring an HRV unit onto the marketplace. Um, it was called uh, um, BioForce. It was like on an old iPhone where you put the thing in the, in the, in the, the sound jack and then you, you sunk it with a heart rate monitor. Uh, he has a program called Morpheus now that he uses, which is really good. Originally, the HRV came from something called the Omega Wave, which the Russians used. So this stuff's been around for a long time. And I've been using HRV for uh, at least 15 years now with people. Okay. <clears throat> the thing people get wrong about HRV is they think it's a score that's going to determine your performance. It is not. You okay. can have a really shitty HRV and still like go out and break world records. Okay. What it is an indicator. So, mm -hmm. 
Okay. So the, so HRV is heart rate variability and the yes. common, the common conception of it is that there's a number. And if you've, if you're within a certain range, your HRV is good and it means yes. good things. And if it's not in that range, your HRV is bad. All, all, and you it, need really, to fix it. all it really tells so that's what people think. All it tells me okay. yeah. is how well you're switching between rest and digest and kick somebody's ass. Okay. So the lower so, the score, the more you're stuck in, I'm kicking someone's ass. The higher the score, the easier it is for you to switch between the two. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the common understanding of HRV mm-hmm. is what? Well, most people would think it's a score, which it yeah. is, but it changes all the time. Like if you look at the aura ring data, when you sleep, it goes up and down like this, right? Yeah. So you want to look at trends over time and it basically I tells see. you how adaptable you are essentially. But, okay. I, but so that's basically what it's telling me is how much reserve do you have to adapt? That's what it tells me. I see. So back in the and first I have, part. Of- and, I, and there's people that are like, well, some people are just born with a low HRV. I've never seen that. I've seen people come in with five HRVs when they start sleeping, they start doing more meditation bad HRV comes up. It might not come up to, you know, really high levels and everyone's HRV changes as they age. You can Google average HRV for your age and you'll see the chart. It goes down, but you can easily get, um, you know, your HRV up through doing more uh, low level aerobic activity, you know, stuff where you're breathing through your nose, not really hard panting meditation, improving diet, improving, you know, sun exposure, all the restorative things, will make your HRV score go up. You can actually take your HRV before like a restorative yoga class or before a float tank session. I've done this when I have one HRV that you just take instantly as opposed to the aura ring that's constantly taking it. I've taken my score before the float tank and my score after the float tank. And it's mm-hmm. like usually 70, 80 points higher. Wow. Right? So I've put myself into the rest and digest. I've given myself more variability in the ability to switch back and forth between the two systems. And that's essentially what it means to me anyways. That's my definition of it. But I look at a big picture. I look at respiratory rate, resting heart rate, and HRV. I look at all those things and body temperature. Mm-hmm. And we look at that over time as a trend. Like we want to see where it's trending, right? That, that's the big thing. Okay. So in sort of the earlier part of this conversation, we were talking about how your lifestyle outside of your training mm-hmm. really dictates what kind of training you're going to be able to do. Because or what you're going to be able to not to do, recover from. Adapt to, thank you. Recover from, excellent. Recover from, okay. So having a high HRV is an indicator of our ability to move between those states? Yes, correct. You're going to, be, you're going to have a better chance of adapting to the stress that we're throwing at you. Okay. So would looking at our HRV be a a reasonable way if we wanted a metric to know how well we're doing with our sort of holistic lifestyle? Yeah. I mean, ideally, if you're doing the right things, your HRV should trend up over time. But that being said, when we train hard, we want that HRV to go down a little bit and then we want it to come right back up. Right. And that's showing that we could recover. That's showing that we have adapted and recovered. Yes. So like if you've been training and doing the same program for eight months or eight years or whatever, and your HRV never changes, then you probably need to change your training up, right? But 
And a lot, a lot of times you don't really need to change the training much. It's that we need to change the sleep and the lifestyle. And then all of a sudden the HRV goes up and people start adapting to their training. Okay. A, lot, a lot of times when you get people to rest and slow down, their body has the resources to actually adapt to the training. Right. And, but a lot, you know, we use HRV to see with a combination of resting heart rate, body temperature, um, respiratory rate, which direction mm-hmm. the body's going in. Right. Are and we, what kind of trends are you looking for? Well, we're looking for upward. We want at least stay the same or upward trend. We don't, you know, especially if longevity is your goal. You want that. You want it to, if you're at a good level, like a good number for your age, you know, say like, I don't know what that, I can't remember off the top of my head, but let's just say 80 is the average, uh, HRV for like, um, I don't know, 40 year olds. Um, you know, you're going to want to have something like that if you want to, you know, improve the probability of you having good outcomes in the future, you want to stay close to that if you can. But I'm looking for like, if I see people that come in and they've got, you know, they come in and we, we evaluate them and they've got 19 respiratory rate, the resting heart rates, 80 and their HRV is five. I know we've got a lot of work to do. We've got to one, teach them how to chill Two, We've got to do a lot of aerobic, low level aerobic, like walking, riding bikes. We need to do a lot of that. We just need a whole lifestyle overhaul. Right. Now, if I have an athlete and their HRV is say in the eighties or nineties and their resting heart rates in the fifties and their body temperature is in a good place and the respiratory rates like 12, you know, 11, like this person's in a really good place. All of a sudden we start doing a different type of training and their HRV and everything, the HRV starts going down, the resting heart rate starts going up. Um, you know, the, the body temperature starts getting goofy and then uh, they start complaining about fatigue and all these things. I know that might be too much for them right now. The respiratory rate goes up, you know, you'll see right. this when you get sick too. You know, like I, I right. had a, Earlier in the year, I my respiratory rate went from I had a pretty serious fever. My respiratory rate went from like twelve to like twenty three in like two hours. Wow! Yeah, my temperature was like one hundred and four. Because so your because my your body, body, was fighting, my body was fighting. Body was working so hard. Right, and that, that changed like that. Right, so so we look right. at trends over time. You can look at trends. If I look at a whole sports team, if I'm looking at a whole sports team on the board, we've got three months of data up on the board, and we see there's eight or ten athletes that are trending down. Mm-hmm. We might need to adjust their training, or at least right. get more recovery modalities in there. Right, so it allows us to customize things. It also, I think, is a great way for people to check their lifestyle. You know, we had one guy in our, our program who had a pretty significant autoimmune disease that caused all sorts of inflammation and caused him all sorts of problems. And we got him the aura ring and he started realizing that, you know, his alcohol habit was what was killing him. Mm. You know, so he would not drink for a couple of days. His HRV would go up, his sleep scores would improve. And then he'd start drinking. He didn't realize how much the drinking, managing stress was drinking, was, was, was hurting him. Right. Until he saw the data in his face. Right. You know, right. all of a sudden you miss a couple nights of sleep and you see what it does to your HRV. You see what it does to your, your data. A lot of people, they miss a couple nights sleep and they just power through it. Like you don't even think about it. When they see the numbers, they're actually like, oh shit, this actually really does affect me. Or they eat a certain food or they drink, you know, a couple glasses of wine. They're like, holy crap, I lost an hour off my deep sleep when I had two glasses of wine. You know, so they start looking at the numbers and they're like, these things have consequences, right? So it makes it a lot easier for people to actually do the right thing when they're like, okay, well, if you're going to have a couple of glasses of wine, great, enjoy it. It's just not a good thing to do consistently over a long period of time. And if you're already in a bad place, 
Yeah. Like using that alcohol to medicate that is probably not going to help. Like it's going to make it worse. So it just helps people make educated decisions. Right. And to know when that's the other thing that I think is so important about understanding quantum health and the light and the natural and the importance of natural light and mitigating the blue light and all of those things is that like, if you are in a bad place, if you understand Mm -hmm. how many stressors there are in our modern lifestyle, even, you know, you get to choose to mitigate them. So someone who's in a really bad place might have to have a more extreme approach than someone who's right. And then you might have, you have to double down on your good habits. Right. But here's the thing, like a lot of people will go to extremes, right? They'll start taking extreme supplements or extreme this or extreme that. If you're in a bad place and you're not doing, like you're not going outside, you don't have to like, you know, stay out, you know, stay outside, you know, 12 hours a day uh, to get a a change or result. If you haven't been doing it at all, it might only take 10 or 15 minutes a couple of times a day and getting the lights off at night. So you know, little hinges swing big doors. So, you know, you, you, you might get massive changes just switching from tap water to spring water, right. Right. Or eating a protein at every meal, you know, or getting, you know, getting, improving your sleep hygiene, you know, so then you can actually see the data in real time, like what's happening when you actually make, I think people are, are likely to stick to a habit change when they can actually see what it's doing for them in real data. Right. Because a lot of times at first they won't feel any better uh, but they actually see their their numbers improving. They are like, oh wow! And then all of a sudden, they start feeling better, and it's even a double. It's a double reinforcement, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's something about about being able to measure. Well, that, and some that of makes us, like, have a like you so and much I, easier. like you and I, we just don't. We just are wired different. Like there's certain people yeah. that just, you know, they'll they'll drive that car to the engine blows up. There's smoke coming out of the hood. Well, let's <laughs> step the pedal harder, right? You know. <laughs> We need all the idiot lights on the dashboard and mm-hmm. all the, mm-hmm. you know, we need all the things, right. Um, to show us to like slow down and actually, you know, go take the car to the shop instead of like trying to, you know, drive it faster. Yep. Yes. And I do think there's also something in there about people who have like an ADD type cognitive profile, because we do need that adrenaline to get anything done. <laughs> like well, we that, need, and you get into trauma. So yeah. So if we structure our life, yeah, we structure our life around needing that, then we'll, we'll get stuff done, but we'll also burn out. Yes. Well, you, you think of our modern life has created this problem, right? This, this yeah. didn't happen. Like this was very rare, like 40, 50 years ago. Cause most people did manual labor, you know, they'd come home after a, a hard day's work. They'd sit on the porch and they'd have dinner with their family. They might listen to a radio show, maybe watch one TV show, but they'd sit on the porch, they relax. I mean, when's the last time people watching this have actually sat in nature for like two or three minutes silently with no phone doing nothing? Like, when's the last time people do that? Like, when, when's the last time you sat down in a park in the grass and just sat there? Like, modern life has just taken that from us. We have to be constantly entertained. We have to be always, you know, there always has to be information, you know, and there are times, you know, like right now, Dr. Stillman and I are building, you know, building some things in our business. So I'm having to spend a lot more time in front of the computer than I'd like to, but I still go over in the backyard back here and I still sit, you know, by a tree and just chill for five minutes, a couple of times a day, you know, ideally, you know, I'm setting my life up so I can spend more time outside. I'm building a gym in Nicaragua, but um um, you know, right now you, for certain periods of your life, you have to make, you know, sacrifices and decisions, but you still, what I think the biggest thing I get people to understand, like if you're going to work really hard, that's great, but put as much effort into the rest part 
and you'll be able to work even harder when you do work. Right. So it's like the more like Paul check says, the more you work hard or the harder you push, the harder you got to shut it off. The yin and the yang, you got to have both. So if you push really hard, shut it off really hard. That's why I love the float tank because it's the extreme opposite of most people's lives. It's an hour of just silence, right? right. Floating in water in which, you know, um, really helps offset that the fact that, you know, we have this busy, busy life. I mean, even when people yeah. walk, they're usually, I'm walking to burn calories and they're going down the street. Like I yeah. walk down the street. It's like, Oh, that's a pretty bird. Oh yeah. A dog wants to stop and pee. That's okay. Cool. <laughs> you know, it's, it's more of an observation. I'm breathing yeah. through my nose the whole time. I see people walking, they got dumbbells in their hands and they're, you know, they're rolling along and, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's a place for that, but mm-hmm. people need more like Zen. They need, yes. more Zen. you know, we, 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 even people that are sedentary, they're scrolling through their phone and they're, mm. they're stirring all this stuff up. And, you know, I compare modern life to sitting in your driveway in your car and revving it at, at red line all day and not driving anywhere. And then wondering why your car is not doing well. Right. Right. You didn't go anywhere, but your engine's still wrecked. Right. And that, that brings up something I wanted to go back to that you said a little bit earlier, which is that, you know, you, you can be, an athlete or an athletic person overtraining and sort of burning yourself out that way. But you can also burn yourself out mentally. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just all just by, all just by overthinking. So you could sure. be yeah. a relatively sedentary person or someone who does a, a just a, a moderate amount well, of exercise. Mental, if you've got mental stress, that's going to create physiological stress in your body. Right. Right. In right. the quantum world, it's all the same thing. Correct. You're, you're just a big giant sack of water and, um, you know, you're an electrical being and, and your body basically adapts to the stress the environment puts on it and the stress that you create for yourself. Yeah, and that's the why thoughts I, that we think are part of our environment of course, affecting yeah. our body. That's why things like EMDR therapy or neurofeedback are so important for people like myself who've had a lot of trauma in their life. Mm-hmm. A lot of these traumas, like, when I went in for, originally I went in for EMDR therapy um, or not EMDR. I went in for neurofeedback because I was having problems recovering from a car accident that I was in a year ago. I was having problems getting my sleep in order and it's gotten better, but it's still not where it was. But the first time they did a brain map on me and they were like, holy crap, you've got this big hunk of trauma back there. We need to work on that. I was like, because so they can see it. Oh yeah. They could, it was a big red hot spot. They're like, you don't perform well unless you're behind under the gun, you know, like you're in front of like a hundred people or, you know, you're coaching mm-hmm. new, you know, I need like that, that, you know, like I'm doing an interview, like that's when I perform my best. And when I'm relaxed and calm, I, I don't do that well. So I, I, you know, I do things in my life to get me revved, right. Stimulants, things like that. I, I'm very prone to. And so people get stuck in a pattern in their brain where they're having to rev themselves up and your body does it really know the difference between that and physical exercise? Really? I mean, it, you, you get emotionally worked up too. It uses tons of resources and cortisol. And Robert Sapolsky talks about that in his book, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Like you're driving through traffic and someone cuts you off and screams at you. I mean, that's no different than being chased by a bear. It's the same, more or less the same response. Your body dumps adrenaline, you know, cortisol goes up, you know, all those things, you know. So we're getting constantly bombarded with these stressors, whereas you know, 150 years ago, 200 years ago, you do low level manual labor, you might get chased by a bear every once in a while, but you either get eaten by the bear or you get away, right? 
we're being chased yeah. by a bear in our modern world all day, you know? Yeah. So, and we don't have that low level manual labor to offset and help us, you know, be prepared and recover from that because movement and low level movement, low level manual labor, those sort of things are very restorative for the human. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because the focus is always on healing and getting better so we can, <laughs> so we can do more, but sometimes we might, well, you path, have to, the path to that is to do less. Well, there has to be balance, just like it, just like in nature, there has to be dark and there has to be light, right? You can't have the darkness yeah. without the light. You can't work hard without resting. Can you push beyond your limits for long periods of time? Humans are amazing at that but it usually doesn't end well. Like Baton Death March, the Battle of Stalingrad, where people lived on paint chips for like four months, paint chips and vodka, you know? People can do crazy things when they're pushed to the extremes, but you want to save that for when you actually need it. You don't want to live your life like that every day. Right. <laughs> you know, you want to treat your body well so that if you do have an emergency, you have the resources to handle it. Right. And you want to establish good habits so that when you get in a bad place, like say you go through a divorce or some one of your you know, significant other dies or some big trauma, you don't, you have good habits to, to double down on and you don't double down on the bad habits. Cause most people, when things go bad, they double down on bad habits right. and they don't have good habits established. Right. You know, even though I couldn't walk very well for a month, I was having problems talking last year when I got my accident in June, I still crawled on my hands and knees out to my patio and sat in the sun. That was one of my habits. Right. Right. You know, I still took my dog outside. You know, I still tried to eat the best I could. Um, you know, those little habits helped me from really going off the rails, right? So those little habits that you establish when things go bad, you know, it's much easier to reach for the cookies or the ice cream or the or the alcohol um, or to, to zone out and watch Netflix or play video games than it is to get outside in nature and do all these things, sleep more to get the rest we need to recover from it. Usually when people get into a place where they have a, something bad happen to them, they double down on the bad stuff and they dig the hole even deeper. That's why those habits are so important to have as part of who you are. You just do them regardless. Right. Yeah. And to lay that foundation and for ourselves, um, for our own selves, you know, yeah. I think, <laughs> especially for moms, we, I'm always thinking about it with my children and making sure we ha I have a strong relationship with them. So in the moments yeah. where it really sucks. Well, and the thing for moms is you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on everyone else. Mm -hmm. You know, especially today's world where mom, women are being expected to be mothers and CEOs and, you know, models and whatever else you want to throw in there. They're expected to be all these things. And so they're taking care of everyone else but they don't, yeah. they forget to take care of themselves. Like that's one of my number one clients is the, the super mom. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, they burn out hardcore, you know, so they forget to take care of themselves. They forget to make time for themselves, but guess what? When they start making time for themselves, they're able to do all those other things even better. Right. Yeah. And I found too, not only that it, I appreciate it more, right? Like when you're in, always doing things for other people mode, whether it's as a mom or a boss or an employee or whatever, mm -hmm. you cannot help but come rub up against a little resentment, a little bit of like, oh, martyrdom, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas when we take the time to be present with ourselves, to be present yeah. with nature, 
Um, I appreciate my life so much more. I feel like it's a gift that I get to be a mother to these people that I have right. to create this relationship with them and sure. figure it out along the way. And I got to be honest, like back in the days where I was struggling, it, did, it didn't always feel that special. I always look at nature and silence as nature's way of, or God's way of rebooting your hard drive, right? So you're rebooting your hard drive, you're, you're, you're updating your software, all these things are happening. And when you don't do that, you don't get that reboot. I, I, I strongly believe that wisdom and discernment come from silence in nature. Um, and we don't get this, you know, you can argue whether it's by design or not. I, I tend to lean towards this by design that the reason they're keeping us so busy is so that we don't have wisdom and discernment. Yeah. You know, I, I can't speak to whether it's by design or not, but it certainly is the reality of things is that the reason we, we aren't able to be sovereign and active well, take, and, actively participate in many areas of life is because we yeah. don't have the time to truly understand right like just tell me who to vote for just tell me what like, right right so well busy you know like and if you're if you are in a state of running from a bear constantly if you can't switch back and forth between running from a bear and rest and digest if you're in this stress state and you have you know your hrv is not very good and your body's not in a good place and you're exhausted how, i mean how much mental energy you're going to have to like eat well, take care of yourself, have good relationships with other people. Most of the time when people say things they regret and, and things like that is when they're in a state of fatigue, they're tired, yeah. they're exhausted, you know, they're not in a good place. They, they say bad things or they, they, they treat themselves poorly. And a lot of people don't love themselves. So that's really a big, big part of this is they're, you know, basically self-abusing themselves because they don't value themselves. Right. Yes. Um, so there's a lot of that as well. I mean, this goes into some really deep emotional stuff. Um, it does. Most I mean, people, most people don't realize that. Like, we're, yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah. Just go outside when you wake up and get morning light in your eyes. But you're right. It's it does go to a very deep. Well, I'll tell you why a lot of these people are afraid of silence is because they don't want to deal with the stuff they actually need to deal with. They want to just yeah. stay busy. So these things that bubble up in silence, like, oh, I don't, oh, that's not good. I don't want to deal with that. You know, and they just keep pushing it into the closet. I did it for years, right? I used mm -hmm. exercise, competition and sports to manage the issues I had. And eventually you just can't do it anymore. And then eventually it all spills out of the closet and you got to, yeah. right. Instead of sitting quietly and something pops into your head and you're like, oh, that was a, that's really a, that was a sucky time in my life going to watch it. I'm going to look at it. I really probably should deal with that. You know, I really, maybe mm -hmm. I need to call that person and tell them I, I'm sorry, or call that person and tell them that I forgive them. Or, you know, for some reason that's, you know, still bothering me. I need to, I need to get it out. I need to write it on a piece of paper, how I feel about it, you know, how it makes me feel, how pissed off I was when I did it. And then I need to tear that piece of paper up, throw it in the, uh, the garbage and then write something out about how your perspective on that has changed and, and how um, you're going to approach it differently now that you put it behind you and you've, you've dealt with it. Right. So yes. that, that's a really nice way to, to deal with a lot of these things that come up in your silence. And instead of just getting spun out in your head, you have a lot of practice at this, by the way, um, and instead of getting spun out in your head, you look at these things from your life that you need to deal with and you observe them instead of engaging with them. And you, you might have some, some better results that way. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's, 
ignoring them may feel easier, but mm-hmm. to your point about how what's happening mentally is we're experiencing in our yeah. body and the better right? the at a certain point yeah. this is there's a lot of energy that goes to keeping that closet door shut <laughs> like and it may feel you're, you're like you're like laying it up may feel it. like we're gonna barf to really look at what's in there yeah but then we can move on and we don't have to like be using all of our energy to lean up against a door that's bursting yeah. and the healthier you are and the better place you are the better the easier it's going to be for you to deal with a lot of these things right Yes. Unfortunately, the way we deal with a lot of these things is by doing unhealthy things. <laughs> yeah. But I think I, for me, I see that as like the cycle of healing, right? And then it just, yeah. it kicks you, it kicks open a door you have to walk through, whether you, it's because you can't sleep or you can't digest your food or you can't stop crying or whatever it is. Right. And then you do what needs to be done to heal a little bit from that. And you're kind of like, Oh, now I got to go to the next door. So some people come in through the trauma. Some people come in through the physical. Right. At the end of the day, we got to We got to go through all the doors we got to go through. You just, you got to make little decisions every day. And there's, there's always trade-offs, right? You know, if you want to, if you want to be fit and live a long time and look good, you're going to, there's going to be certain things in your life that you're going to need to do that are going to increase the probability of that happening. And then if you don't want that, then, you know, yeah, there's, there's always trade-offs. There's trade-offs with everything. Right. And why healing is a non-linear event, right? Like there, it's not a, it's not a chart that just goes up. Mm -hmm. We, it's like a path around the mountain and sometimes it, it gets a little treacherous. Well, and sometimes things get worse before they get better. Exactly. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we're not getting better. I had an email from somebody recently who's, who's in a bad place and they're like, I'm doing all the things. And I was like, babe, you know, well, a lot of people doing all the things, but it doesn't mean the other stuff's not going to then come up. Well, a lot of times we see this in the practice, you know, we see this where people, they start doing the things and they expect themselves to feel amazing. But a lot of times, you know, especially when we're dealing with weight loss, People don't realize like the amount of toxins and junk they have stored up in their fat. And then their Mm. body starts dumping this stuff into the system. Mm. And, you know, it, if you're stuck, if you've been trying to lose weight for a long time, if you're stuck, um, you know, get outside in the sun, um, you drink more water. A lot of times the body will kind of hold on to fat because it doesn't, it's not healthy enough to like detox itself. Your body's not going to commit self-suicide and dump all this stuff into your system if it knows it can't handle you, handle it, right? Right. And the sun is a great de- detoxification tool, and so is water and sweating and things like that. But a lot of times, you know, people, they start losing weight and they start, you know, having like anxiety and they start having all these issues and it's their body dumping a lot of this crap into their system and their body's having to deal with it. Yeah. And that, yeah, and that's it exactly. It's we like- We see that a lot when we put people we start, on iodine. Yeah iodine because it pushes the fluoride out into the system Mm -hmm. so we see that a lot right so it might be a physical detox of stuff being stored in your fat or it might be an emotional detox of stuff being stored in your unconscious we got to be ready for these things so we need to we need our restorative time in nature that is correct yeah it's it's a constant your body's in a constant state of of adapting and the better you treat it, the better chances it has as a, uh, has as of adapting in a positive way because you can adapt in negative ways too. Right. Yes. Yeah. I know we all picked up some 
some strategies along the way that we've had to reconfigure as adults. <laughs> that is correct. And some of us, like me, you've got to yeah. crash your car head onto that tree 80 miles an hour before you learn. That's me. I've learned now I've actually, you know, with help of the aura ring and I can see myself going in a certain direction and with the EMDR and yeah. feedback, I'm a lot more self-aware now and, and I'm able to like catch myself before I go completely off the rails. It's like, all right, yes. Leonard, you know, you're craving the ice cream, you're craving the alcohol. It's time to, it's time to walk outside more. It's time to, you know, yeah. time to clean my act up. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to get your yeah. sleep, you need to get more sleep. You need to get your phone out of your hand at night. I see the warning signs. And so I, I'm able to head it off at the past before, uh, you know, a lot of people think they get into this stuff or whatever modality they get into. And they think it just fixes all your, your problems. Right. But this is a constant daily battle of making, yeah. making little choices that goes on for the rest of your life until the day the good Lord or whatever you believe takes you off the earth. Um, it's just a constant, you know, making choices every day to uh to improve or not to improve yeah it's no, it's, it's and nature is a huge component of that all we have all we have is today and what are we going to do right what's our and choices nature yeah. unfortunately is a huge component that our modern world has forgotten about and unfortunately our modern world is pushing pushing hard for people to be in nature even less than they already are yeah so you're going to have to make choices in the very near future where you decide whether you know you want to go down the virtual reality path or the you know everybody living in giant apartment complexes or you want to spend more time in nature you're going to have to make those choices. Yeah. Thank you so much Jim. You're welcome. It was absolute pleasure to have you as was, always. Thank you. My pleasure. It was fun. We went all over the place which no surprise. No surprise. We always do. Thank you so much. We'll do this again soon. This has been the Quantum Biology Collective Podcast. To find a practitioner who practices from this point of view, visit our directory at quantumbiologycollective.org. If you are a practitioner, definitely take a look at the Applied Quantum Biology Certification, a six-week study of the science of the new human health paradigm and its practical application with your patients and clients. We also love to feature graduates of the program on this very podcast. Until next time, the QBC.